Hey there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I am so excited to be here with Brooke McLaughlin from Million Praying Moms. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk with me today. Hey, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me again. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. Yeah. Well, I just love that you know, you had posted something uh, maybe last week, or it was really fast, a week or two ago at the most, about mm-hmm. about sports and prayer and your kids. And I thought, all right, got to get Brooke on, because this is something that I definitely have been wanting to talk about for a long time. Um, and I just figured it would be great to have you on, since you're kind of in the thick of a lot of, like, it seems to me like just some real answered prayers. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you just, you know, and then, and you've got a road ahead of you with with another kid going Mm -hmm. through school and yeah. But before we get started talking about prayer and sports, um, we like to ask what your favorite prayer closet is when we have guests on. But I was thinking, what prayer closet do you find yourself either praying for your kids the most or where do you enjoy praying for your kids the most? What's your favorite Mm -hmm. prayer closet for your children? I would say that it's morphed a little bit over the years. Um, People who have read my earlier work would say that it was my green prayer chair. Um, that is, I, we still have that chair by the way. I, but I sat in it all the time to pray for my kids when they were napping, uh, before they got up in the morning, it was my curl up spot, uh, you know, those kind of things. Um, but as they have gotten older and specifically as I have picked up the habit of prayer journaling, I find that I have gravitated toward my kitchen table. Most of the time. Now I do pray for my kids all the time. Like, you know, it's not just a one, you know, one thing in the morning and then I'm done. So it really could be any time of the day um, or night as God, you know, leads me to do that. But I love being at my table with my Bible and with my prayer journal. And I have just found so much joy in praying God's word back to God on behalf of my children. So that's where I end up most of the time nowadays. I love that. And I just love the the freedom to just let everybody know your your prayer life doesn't have to, it's going to have seasons. It's going to change, mm-hmm. particularly if you're looking through the lens of praying for your kids, because the stage that your kids are at is always going to be changing. Um, and and there is so much freedom in that transformation. I, I definitely have had a transformation in my places that I like to pray or have been forced into praying in nooks and crannies of the day that I may have had free before when the kids were littler. So yeah, I love that. Um, Well, I just want to jump right in and I have a few specific questions, but definitely just take off in whatever direction you feel led. Today, we're going to be talking about the role of prayer in sports with your kids. I want to talk also just about some of the challenges of having kids in sports and maintaining a strong faith and all of the things that go along with that, because that's something that I absolutely struggle with and and would love to just open that conversation up too. So let's just start off. And can you just tell us a little bit about what role sports have played and are playing in your kids' lives? Well, I have this joke that I, and it really is a joke, although there's some, you know, truth behind most jokes. Um, I always tell people that to get into my husband's family, you have to be a believer and a Yankees fan. And I'm not sure which one's more important. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of the truth. Like I had never, so we're a baseball family and we're becoming a basketball family, although that's a relatively new thing in our, in our lives. But 
um, our kids have been hitting a baseball in the front or backyard with my husband since they were old enough to to hold a bat. My husband is a huge baseball fan. He did not play beyond high school um, simply because there was less opportunity back then. I don't, who knows if he could have had there been more opportunity, but it just wasn't, we live in a very small town and it just wasn't as common back then for that to happen. Uh, but he loves, loves, loves baseball. And it is something that he shares with both of his brothers and with his father. Um, even just what is today? It is a Monday, right? We said that yesterday, Sunday afternoon, he went over and watched the Yankees with his dad. That's just a way that they connect. It's a way that he connects with his brothers and his dad. It's it's how it has always happened. And so he, it was very natural for him to, to want to pass that on to our boys. And so um, they have been, again, you know, hitting balls in the front yard since they were old enough to hold a bat. And we have just some of the most precious little videos of them uh, with their baseball caps turned on backwards or turned around backwards and and knocking their cleats off in the front yard. We used to go watch. Uh, my husband played in a in a pretty aggressive men's softball league when we were married. And we would go watch him play and they would bring their monster trucks and build ramps in the adjacent fields and all of that. I mean, it's just been a lifestyle. It has really been a way of life for us. Uh, this this baseball thing and it, it has grown as we've grown it has gotten bigger as our kids have gotten bigger and while it's been wonderful as you said it has brought particular challenges as people who love the church people who love God um, people who want to try and help their children's identity be in Christ not necessarily in how good they are on the on the baseball field or whatever sport um, you want to insert in the blank there yeah we actually, my husband, there, there are so many similarities. So of course we have a connection with Southwest Virginia because mm -hmm. my husband and I went to Virginia Tech. We lived there after graduation several years later and, you know, considered Blacksburg our home for a long time. And you're in that neck of the woods, yes. but my husband is definitely an avid Yankees fan and baseball was his life for a long time in terms of sports. I mean, but he did not play beyond high school. And he always, I know, like had a picture of our kids being baseball kids, but we moved to Alaska when our oldest was six, maybe just turned seven. And um, I think he turned seven here and we enrolled him in a learn to skate class and he got sucked in and we're a hockey mm -hmm. family now. And <laughs> now they bond over watching hockey on TV, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's very unexpected, but, you know, we're kind of hockey has kind of become a way of life for us in the way that I think he pictured baseball probably would have been. Um, but can you tell us about um, just some ways? Um, how about what? It, what's kind of an unexpected way that sports have shaped your prayer life as a mom? Mm -hmm. I think one of the most unusual ways, or maybe it's not unusual, but it was unexpected. As you said, I didn't, didn't see this coming was that having my children on the field would bring me anxiety. Um, I just didn't, I don't know why I didn't catch that or, or foresee that, but I didn't. And it started when my youngest son was 10. He, uh, he became a pitcher. That was his first, he did a couple years before that of travel that was just kind of hit and miss. 
and when I say travel, I mean travel sports. This was not rec league. It wasn't um, it wasn't identified with a school. It was you know the travel club sports that that are really popular these days. And he had kind of had some some plate appearances here and there, but when he was ten years old was his first real experience with it, where he was on the team, was a major player on the team, and played every you know every game and and whatnot that they did. And and I didn't even know that he could pitch before that because he has an older brother. And uh, we have a couple cousins. My older son uh, is one of three cousins, three male cousins that were all born within two months of each other. And so it was always just easier to move our younger son up uh, because he's only 23 months younger than my son. We just found it easier to move him up so they could all be on one team. It was just easier to manage that way for us, frankly. It really, And, and he was able to handle it. Um, he never struggled all that much playing with the older kids. And so we didn't worry about it, but because of that, because he was kind of smaller on the team physically, um, they never needed him to pitch. They had all these pitchers and they, they didn't need him to get out on the mound. And so until he was, you know, in, on this travel organization, we had never even seen him try to pitch. And it turns out he was a fairly decent pitcher. (laughs) And, uh, and so I didn't realize until then how much pressure there was on him as the lone man out there on the mound trying to hold the game together. And if, if your yeah. listeners don't know baseball, um, you got to have a decent pitcher. Or you can't have a game. I mean, there's no there's no way to win a game without a decent pitcher. A pitcher really can make or break the game. And that's a lot of pressure for a 10-year-old to carry. Yeah, And I, that pressure translated to me because – that was my baby out there on the mound. And he struggled some when he was little. He struggled a lot when he was little with controlling his emotions. And he would get out there and he would be on fire. And then he would throw a few balls and he would just start, like he would cry on the mound. And I've seen that a lot since then. I know it's not something that uh, is unique to him, especially when you've got younger kids out there, um, feeling that pressure. And it just would break my heart when I would see him struggling. I knew he was struggling. He wanted so much to do well for his team and he was struggling. And so it brought me anxiety, um, trying to, trying to manage that. And in the beginning I would get up and pace. I couldn't even sit still, Jamie. I would just like be moving behind, you know, behind the, the batter's box or whatever. And, and sometimes I would go and try and stand right behind home plate so that he could just look at me, you know, like just get a visual, have, have something safe that he was looking at. Um, And over the years, you know, he's getting ready to turn 16 over the years. I'm I'm happy to say that I've finally figured out how to sit still when he um, is pitching, but I still feel the anxiety on the inside when he's up there. And I think anytime our children are feeling anxiety, it doesn't have to be on the pitcher's mound. It could be taking a, a end of year test, or it could be, you know, anything, any anything where they are feeling anxiety. We carry that for them as moms. We feel that anxiety for them as well. And um, that was a first clue to me that I was going to, there was going to be a struggle there for me. And I think I didn't it was still several years down the road before it became a problem. Um, but I did begin to experience it a little bit as a problem. I can get into that um, and and what happened and tell that story. But that was 
needing to go to God to control my anxiety while my children were playing was unexpected for me. Yes. And I, I can totally relate to that. I can't completely, I feel like the pitcher mom is probably the equivalent of the goalie mom in the hockey mm-hmm. world, because I always talk to the goalie moms and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. It's so they don't play every game, but when they're in, they are in and they're the focal point. They're where the buck stops. And when they aren't able to perform well, it's hard on that kid. It's hard on mm-hmm. the kid. And Hopefully you have a team that's supportive and that during those hard times, you've got someone that's going to encourage you and not tear you down, but that's not always the case. Mm -mm, And parents, parents Mm -hmm. can also be really tough. So, um, but I, I just, I definitely understand though, and think it was also an unexpected thing as someone who didn't grow up really doing a lot of sports. I swam competitively And that's very different from a team sport. I played volleyball, but I was terrible at it and I didn't really care that much. So I I only played for a few years in high school and I I was, I never moved past JV and they probably were glad to see me go, but that's a different story. But I, I just did not realize how much sports would highlight for me the fact that I'm not in control of Mm -hmm. things. And Mm -hmm. I think the next level of that that I struggle with still is realizing that, okay, the one thing that I can do, the best thing is to pray for sure. And I've got all Mm -hmm. kinds of prayers in my tool belt that I pray while they're out there Mm -hmm. ranging from let them score a goal so that they'll Mm -hmm. have, you know, good self-esteem, let their team win the game because they've worked so hard and let them, you know, you know, I use like biblical language to try and Mm -hmm. convince God, like let them (laughs) read some of the fruit of the hard work they've sown this year, oh, Lord. Maybe you're if I so say it, holy in your maybe prayers. Maybe if I say it ah, in biblical so terms, yes. he's going to make it happen. But what I've learned is even when I pray for a certain outcome, I, I'm i still not in control. God is. And no. I've both loved and hated that realization yeah. because the love part is, thank you, God, that you're God and I'm not. Because I've seen so many times that I've prayed prayers for ease and victories that I would consider good for my kids mm-hmm. when they needed the hard road. And God knew yes. that. And I'm starting to see some of the impact of the hard road and the hard won battles um, now, years later. Mm-hmm. But back then it was just like, come on, God, like how hard would it be when my oldest prayed for probably two straight years to score a goal? He was a late mm-hmm. starter for learning to skate kind of behind the curve with his teammates, had some really hard lessons learned along the way and some hard times. But I was just like, just can you not? And he prayed every night. He would pray, please, God, let me score a goal in my next game. Mm. And I just thought, wouldn't that help his faith? Wouldn't that just Mm -hmm. galvanize his faith for the rest of his life for you to answer that prayer for him? Why did you take two years for that? Wouldn't it have been easier to just get, throw him that bone. Um, and then why are you letting him suffer? How many parents out here? This is one that I, I do quite a bit and it's, it's prideful and it's, I don't know what you would call it, maybe arrogant and not good, but I'm going to confess it in case anyone out there can relate. How many other parents out here are praying for their kids right now? And he's going to have the worst game of his life in this Mm -hmm. game that I'm praying harder than I've ever prayed for Mm -hmm. any game for him before. And it's that realization that 
prayer energy put in, like I'm not controlling things by sending good vibes onto the field. Good yes. vibes and prayers are different. They are completely different. And I am, I'm just resonating with absolutely everything you're just saying. So our older son was a very late bloomer physically, extremely late bloomer. He went into his sophomore year at like less than, I don't know, around 90 pounds. Like he was short and he was little. Now he's almost six, two and weighs a hundred and like four. I mean, he, when he started to grow, he started to grow and it was like, yeah. Whoa, watch out. But he was a very, very late bloomer. And, um, he struggled so hard, Jamie, like just, he, he has always loved baseball. It has always been his dream to play at the next level. But for us, those conversations that, that came out of that struggle time that he had were, why is God doing this to me? Mm -hmm. Why is God not letting me do what I so desperately want to do? Why, why would God give me this dream and then not let me have it? Mm -hmm. um, and, and those are difficult questions to have or, or answer with a 16 year old. They're really hard to answer. And yeah. it, that, that, that failure in, in, uh, sports brought about some of the best conversations, hard conversations. They stretched me in my ability to talk about the Lord and the things of the Lord with my children, but it's, it brought some of the best conversations that we have ever had. And it also, I think you're, you're just so right. Um, it also taught me that I can't control uh, so much of what happens to him. And that, ha that happened to me just last year. So I mentioned he, when he started to grow, he really started to grow and that really started to show up for him. His junior year on the field, his sophomore year, he really couldn't even hit the ball out of the, 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 um, uh, the infield. And then last year, his junior year, he's a senior this year, <clears throat> he started hitting doubles and triples and like he really, his physical growth really did affect his ability to perform on the field. And so I was praying in this one particular game. I had prayed all day long. I had prayed the night before. It was a, it was a, a really important game for the, for the team. And I covered everything. I prayed that his, his bat would be strong. I prayed that God would help him to see the ball. I prayed that God would help his hands to be quick, that his feet would be agile. I mean, I covered this kid from, from top to bottom in every baseball scenario that you could possibly come up with. And do you know what God did, Jamie? I can the guess. exact opposite <laughs> of what I prayed for. I mean, I don't know that I had ever had an, an experience so clearly opposite of everything that I prayed for. And this was just last year. And I'm going to confess, I've been running a prayer ministry for a long time now. And I was bumfuzzled yeah. after that. I was like, Lord, really? Every single thing, it was the worst game he's ever had in his entire life. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, really, God? Like, come on, I run a ministry. Like, you know, it's like you said, like there was a little bit of pride there. Yeah. Like, I, I pray the scriptures, Lord. I'm holy in this. I'm I'm trying to raise my kids to know you and 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 every the opposite of what I prayed for. So I had a moment with the Lord where I felt really angry with him over that and, and frustrated. And, and I think God, you know, who's to say, 
who's to say that that game had anything at all to do with what my son needed to learn on the field? Ooh, Maybe that God is used so good, that. Brooke. <laughs> Maybe it was about me. I mean, maybe it was about the Lord saying, sweetheart, you need a little bit of humble pie. And I need to remind you that you're not in control. And for every mama, just like you sitting on this side of the field, there's another mama sitting on the other side of the field that's praying just as hard for her son or daughter as, as you are praying. Who do you want me to listen to? How about we just do what I had planned to do for today? And and that was the reminder that God gave me. Um, and it was powerful. It was a powerful one. That is really powerful. And I remember, I, I think I remember seeing a post come through maybe on Instagram or something where you talked a little bit about praying for something and it turned out the exact opposite of what you had hoped. And I was in a season of something similar had happened to me that same thing, probably the hardest I've ever prayed, the most exhausted spiritually I've ever been coming out of the bleachers from a game, praying for this kid. And it, it was the worst experience, the worst game of his year, probably his career. Uh, He was benched, felt humiliated, made a horrible, Mm -hmm. very blatantly obvious mistake was benched for the rest of the game. I mean, it was just, um, yeah. And you ask why, but I love, oh, I love what you said about maybe it wasn't even about him. God's big enough that, that it can be about us sometimes. And, and the big picture is still going to remain the same for our kids. Um, yeah. I don't doubt that my kid learned some valuable things um, for himself about humility, about resilience, about relying on God on his own when he's in a situation where he feels like he's getting in his own head, things like that, not letting your thoughts get away with you, trusting God with your story, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, those are all great lessons, but sometimes it might just be about us. So mm-hmm. do you have any things that stand out as victories or miracles or ways that God showed up just the little, the little every day, or maybe huge miracles mm-hmm. as you've prayed over the years for your kids in sports? Yeah, I think I I can think of two things. One is for me and one is, is really more for the kids. I think, let me start with the boys. I think I have seen them um, mature uh, as, as we have prayed, as we have um, not just like, I'm not just talking about praying for them uh, on my own. I'm actually talking about praying with them as we have tried to remind them that God is with them and um, that they're never alone out on the field. As, as we've talked about, I think um, maybe in all sports, but baseball is what I know the most about. um, They, if they make an error or if they strike out um, there's something called the mental game that you get to a certain point in baseball. And again, maybe in all sports where if you don't have the combined athleticism and knowledge of the game and the ability to, to win in your brain, to win in your emotions, you're not going to go any further. It's Mm -hmm. the elite athletes have to have all of that. They have to win in their, in their mind as much as they win physically. Mm -hmm. And so we've talked a lot about, um, you know, where, where those negative, where that negative self-talk comes from. And we've tried to associate that with 
you know, the fiery darts of the enemy. And I think my husband and I have done a decent, at least a halfway decent job of trying to help them everything that they've had in experienced in baseball to look at it through the lens of scripture and say, what does God's word say about this? How can we pray through this? And so we've tried to make it a norm for them. And I think we've done a decent job of that. They're normal teenage boys, but I, I think we've done a decent job of that. And I think we've brought prayer with us and tried to tried to acknowledge that God is with us in the game. And, and that has um, that has taken. And one example of that, this happened a few years ago. My, uh, my oldest son was kind of the unofficial chaplain, if you will, of his travel team. Um, they would go out before the games uh, on the weekends and they would kneel down together and pray. And it was always my oldest that was the one that would pray. There was not another believer on the team, Jamie, not one, not another family that went to church um, there were some maybe people that had some spiritual awareness or awareness of God, but there was nobody else that were committed believers the same way that our family was. And so he would take his team out and pray with them every time. So this one weekend, we had decided to go on vacation uh, as a family and we weren't going to be there for one of the tournaments. And I had gotten up early that morning. We had gone with some friends to the beach and the the other wife in the other family and I were already out on the front porch looking at the water and drinking coffee. This is like eight o'clock in the morning, super early, but certainly earlier than I would normally have expected my kids to get up when we were on vacation at that time. But my oldest son comes downstairs with the bedhead and sleepy eyes and, and all of this. And he comes out onto the porch and says, mom, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what, what's going on? I thought something was wrong at first. And he said, my coach just called and woke me up and they put me on FaceTime oh. and took me out onto the field. And I prayed for them before the game because I wasn't oh. with them. They wanted me to do it. So they called. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> like that just, it was this really small thing, but it was huge at the same time. Like oh. he had that role on the team and it was such a blessing to me that those kids looked to him for that kind of leadership. And I think that that's because we've tried to make prayer such a normal, natural part of what we do in our family. Um, so that's one thing that I, I would say is a fruit of, of our efforts over the years. The other thing that I would say is that um, having experienced some level of anxiety over uh, our children, it, it actually was, I mentioned my younger son pitching, the, the anxiety actually got quite a bit worse with my older son um, it, just last year. I think because he had overcome so much uh, in the years before, I found myself just desperate for him to succeed on the, oh. on the field. It yeah. was, I would pray for him when he stepped up to bat, which is good. It's, it's not ever bad to pray for your children anytime you want to, but there was something wrong with my prayers. It was like, it was like I was praying for him on the deathbed that God would spare his life. Like that was the level of desperation that I was praying with and it mm -hmm. didn't match the situation. And that's the, that's the level of, of internal angst I was feeling as well. Like it was this, just this desperation for God to, to give him success. And I began to feel it physically. My heart rate would go up every time 
Uh, he stepped up to the bat. I wear an Apple watch. And so literally every time he stepped up to the bat, my watch would start to say, your heart rate is too high. Your heart rate is too high. Um, I would feel it in my, like I would get shaky because when your heart rate goes up, your hands start to feel shaky. I would get flushed and feel lightheaded. Um, I was definitely having this internal response to what was happening on the outside. And after an entire season of that, I realized that I, I had a problem. Like I was not dealing with this well. And I say that humbly because it's not easy to admit that that you're struggling with something on that level. But I went to some friends. I told, I confessed to my husband. I went to my friends um, and I said, look, I'm really struggling with this. And um, I began to apply God's word to the situation, specifically uh, the verses in Philippians that say, be anxious for nothing. Um, I began to actually apply that to the situation and walk myself through it there, like right there on the baseball field. I began to walk myself through that and pray through those, those principles. And God gave me victory over that. So I say I have victory there. And that this is what God has done because I have not, I have not since then experienced that same level of anxiety. I feel like God's given me such peace as I have taken my anxieties to him um, and let him deal with that, you know, whatever was going on in my heart there. Uh, he's given me some victory over that. So I see victory in my sons. I see victory in myself as well as I've learned to, to just to take everything to God. That is so good. And I love what you said there about the intensity of your prayers didn't match the situation. I think that is because there's such a fine line between praying fervently, pouring our hearts out to God and and just beseeching him, you know, like the persistent widow or the persistent neighbor, like just, yeah, ask, seek, knock, keep going. But there's a fine line between that and having this idea, like I was talking about, that somehow the intensity of my prayer mm -hmm. is going to be the key to changing the situation, because that's a control issue, and and it's not relinquishing it to God. And, and there's a fine line, because I think God wants us to be passionate. He wants us to pour that passion out to him. But I think what you're saying about when your health, when your anxiety levels, when your body is responding in a way on a regular basis to something that is not proportional to that level of intensity. Like that can be a takeaway. And I've, I've definitely experienced that. I can resonate with that of just every time he's on the ice and the stakes are high, it's just like, you know, intense, um, physical, uh, just intense physical reactions that, that are mm -hmm. beyond what, a sport really should evoke. Um, and I think that the key to that, like you said, is just talking about it, just admitting it, that it's real, that it's a struggle and just having that, um, that accountability to kind of help, help you along in that area. But it is, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a fine line. And I think for each person, you have to work that out yourself with God, with scripture, maybe talk to someone about it. Um, but yeah, I, I love that you shared that. Thanks for being transparent. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk just for a few minutes about just the, I guess it's a, still a spiritual issue, but it's kind of a practical issue as well of just 
balancing sports with faith and church and what that looks like. Cause there's a broad spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a broad spectrum of, of people's beliefs of what that should look like. And I think obviously we, you know, the, the whole meat sacrifice to idols thing, if you believe that the meat sacrificed to idols is wrong to eat, then don't eat it. So mm-hmm. there might be some people that have more freedom in things like going to church every Sunday and not sacrificing a single church for a single game. Whereas I know there are other people that will say, you know, this is a team sport. I've committed to it. We can worship God or maybe find a creative way to worship and, and observe the Sabbath without letting our team down. Um, so I just want to put it out there that we definitely recognize that there are different people on many different levels of the spectrum of what they think is good. And I think we both need to respect those that are unmoving on churches every Sunday. I don't care what, what game, what tournament churches every Sunday at nine 30, um, or the people that are more loose with that, um, So specifically Sundays and sports, and then also the bigger picture of making sure that sports don't become God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, this is a fantastic conversation. Really. It is, it is um, at the heart of what it means to try and, and be believers who love the church, who have kids who are athletes. It's really, it's a difficult thing to do. So when, so, so I want to say this, it has always been my husband and we we have always made gathering together with other believers a priority in our lives. Um, that has always been a very high priority for us. And it has looked different in different seasons, but we've never stopped doing that. And I, I actually asked my son, my younger son the other day, I said, do you think that like, do you think we've done a good job of that? And he said, yeah, you like, it, there's no doubt in my mind that church is a priority for, for you guys. And, and um, you know, that, that you're trying to instill that in me and, and those kind of things. So I was glad to hear that, but um, it, we realized early on that our boys were going to be um, athletes of some kind. I mean, I didn't think we had any like little Derek Jeters in the house or anything, but, but I knew they were going to love sports. Our younger son in particular, absolutely. It was not a, it was not a suggestion. It was a need for him to have some kind of physical outlet. He absolutely had to have some kind and still, as an almost 16 year old, he functions better in school when he's playing a sport. Um, if he is, if he does not have activity, uh, it, he struggles with that still. And so it was a, it was a big part of our lives and we knew we wanted to keep that priority straight. We also knew that it would be, it would not be hard for sports to become a priority. It would be a choice to make meeting together with other believers a priority. In other words, it would have been really easy to let go of meeting together with other believers and to just let go of that. It would not be hard to make sports the number one thing in our children's hearts. We wouldn't have to try very hard to do that. So because of that, we felt like we would have to try hard to help them understand the importance of meeting together with other believers. And so one of the things that we did early on, and I am not saying that this is the the only right thing to do, nor am I saying that you would necessarily find teams that would let you do it. We just happened to find teams for our boys uh, that would that would let us do this. When we joined our first travel organization, both of our boys played in the same organization on different age age levels. 
um, we told the coaches we would not be there on Sunday mornings. Um, you know, a lot of times the, um, the games on Sunday start at eight o'clock in the morning or they're at 11 o'clock in the morning, or, you know, you just don't know. You don't know until Saturday night when you're going to play on set on Sunday during the day. And so we just said, look, if, if, you know, if y'all win everything on Saturday and, or if we win everything on Saturday, then we'll be there Sunday afternoon. If we lose on Saturday and we end up the, in the eight o'clock spot, then if you win that game, we'll be there later that afternoon. And, And we were faithful to do that. And our coaches at that time were very gracious about it. I know that it presented the team with something of a hardship um, and it maybe wasn't fair to the rest of the players, uh, but we, that was our rule for several years when they were younger, when you get to an older group, it really isn't an option to do that anymore. Uh, The, 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 at least in our experience, the nature of the competition, the nature of the teams is that. Um, you know, you only need nine players on the baseball field and you don't want to have 20 players on a baseball team because that means there's way too many kids sitting the bench and nobody wants to pay for their kid to play travel ball and then just have them sit on the bench the entire time. Um, so we we realized as they got older that that was not going to be an option. And because they, they if they wanted to play, they had to be there. And if they weren't going to be there, then it probably wasn't fair to let them be on the field over someone else who was there. And so we made a choice um, a few years into it that we would miss uh, Sunday mornings. But the way that we managed that was that we chose a church. And again, I know that this is not necessarily um an availability for everybody that might be listening. And I I recognize that. And I feel that we intentionally chose a church that had multiple services on Sundays and that had a win a Wednesday service. Um, so that if we missed church on, on Sunday morning, chances were that we could get there Sunday night. And if we were far away, if we were really traveling and we couldn't be there the whole weekend, we could probably get there Wednesday night. And so whatever we were, whatever we were doing, uh, whatever the schedule was, we were trying to make a way to get to church somehow in some way. And it helps too, that my husband works shift work. And so it wasn't just about sports. We also wanted that kind of church, but I'm sorry. We also wanted that kind of church for, um, for him because he, he isn't always available on Sunday mornings. So it just kind of fit our overall life pattern as well. And on the days that we just couldn't get anywhere, we have sat in the car in between games and watched the, the church service online. Um, we're those parents that will be like, okay, come on, you're coming with us. And we'll go sit in the car and turn the air conditioning on and listen to the sermon, or we'll listen to it on the way home from the game that night. There there have been, because of the age we live in, there are creative ways for us to feed our children with the word. Now, I don't want to be an advocate of only ever, um, you know, being a part of a church through Facebook. I don't think that's actually what God's word means when he says gather together with with other believers. If you're doing that, you're missing out on serving and and that's an important part of being a part of the body of Christ. But we used it as a uh, as an exception to the rule, not a rule. And so it gave us a little bit of flexibility. Um and again, when you as parents have 
a standard of excellence in your home. When your kids know mom and dad are doing, they're not just missing church flippantly. They're, they're, they, they actually care. It bothers them that they're missing church and that, that you're doing everything you can to get to the, to the local gathering place for your, your family as much as you can. Um, then that attitude does sink in, I think with, with your kids and they, they, begin to adopt it as their own. Um, and that's just the way we've handled it. And as you said, there's not really one right or wrong way to handle it. And um, and I don't I don't mean to be prescriptive in the way that I'm talking about it. We uh, my old my younger son now is playing some travel basketball. He chose to play travel basketball this summer instead of baseball, which was a huge issue for us, not issue, but just transition for us. Um, and his basketball coach is a pastor. And so, um, and we, we chose the team in part because of that, not all of it, but in part because of that, uh, because we know that when we travel, if we're gone on a Sunday morning, um, he, he's a part of a large church. So there's multiple pastors. So he can sometimes step away. If we're going to be gone for the weekend, he's going to be leading our kids in a devotion that morning. He's going to be trying to engage them, uh, with the word, and and all of us as families. And so we've tried and prayed intentionally for those kind of opportunities. And it hasn't always been that way. You know, we've been, my, my oldest son is a senior and he never had a, a travel coach that was a pastor. He had a travel coach last year that was a strong believer. Um, and that was wonderful, but it hasn't been that way every year, but we just keep praying and we keep asking the Lord to put our kids where they need to be. And this helped us as well, Jamie. And that is that both of our kids have made professions of faith at this point. They are, as I said, normal teenage boys, but they they have made professions of faith. And we have been able to talk to them about how being a believer isn't just, it isn't only about meeting together with other believers. It's also about living like you're a believer everywhere you go. It's about um, it's not necessarily about where you end up. It's about taking Jesus with you wherever you go. And it's about, so it's about how you live. It's about, it's about, um, you know, pray, being the one that prays for the team. It's about the way you behave yourself. It's about how you speak and how you treat your, you know, the other people. And we have seen fruit of that in the, the teams that we've been a part of. And I don't want to, I don't want to say that our children have done it perfectly because they're little sinners, but I, I just had a mom come to me the other day, l- literally just the other day <clears throat> and thank me for our son's influence in her son's life, because he's been asking a lot of questions about God. And, and, you know, we haven't, we haven't converted everybody to Christianity that we've you know, played ball with. That's just not our reality, but we have tried to make an impression. We have tried to spread the fragrance of Christ wherever we go and bring Jesus with us. It's not just about skipping church to be a part of a baseball game. It's about bringing Jesus with you wherever you go. And you can say that you can say, well, the church is everywhere, but, and that's true. The church is everywhere, but there's a difference between saying that and doing that. And I think if you're doing that, then that's that's at least been the approach that we've t- tried to take. That is all really good. And you did not in any way make that come across as prescriptive. I feel like your whole journey is a great, I don't know, like a great illustration of many different ways you can do things, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, when they're younger, having that 
you know, the making that point of saying we're not going to be there on Sundays, you're, you know, kind of evolving into this, okay, we're definitely not going to make it every Sunday, but choosing a church where you have, if you can, I know not everyone has that option, but, you know, being intentional enough um, to choose a church that gives you options for if you can't make it Sunday mornings. I know we ended up switching churches a couple of years ago and I'll admit we didn't do things perfectly because it was sort of mid mid COVID that we did the switch. We had a long period of time where we relied heavily on online church Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. And I love it for the fact of what you've said when you don't have any other option. Absolutely. You can worship and have a sermon and conversation as a family that can sometimes be even better than sitting in church because you can pause and talk about things or look up a scripture or something, but it's never a substitute for meeting with the body of Christ and, and having a core group of believers that you can engage with. Um, And we did not do that well for a while. We're actually just now getting to the point where we're sort of getting back into making church more of a priority. And I'll be totally honest, sports kind of did get elevated above Mm -hmm. church there for a while because it was convenient to do so. And um, I want to just say to anyone listening that's in that situation and feeling guilty, get rid of that guilt and just take what you have in front of you. Do you like where you're, where you are? And do you feel like it's the right place? And if it's not, don't, don't wallow in it. I love wallowing and it, it never serves any purpose other than to give the enemy just what he wants, which is you covered in mud, powerless and doing nothing. So take that feeling of unsettled. This isn't where I want to be. And remember that you have lots of choices and you can be intentional. Um, And we did find a church that had an evening service and it was for that exact reason, because we were, we were missing church in the mornings because of games and things. And, um, you know, there, there are lots of options, but what you said about bringing God into even those decisions of who the coaches are going to be, um, you know, what, what opportunities you're going to make as a family to make church and God's word a priority, um, invite God into those decisions because it's, you know, you don't have to do it on your own. And, um, maybe find other believers that are in sports too, and have these kinds of conversations with them. Cause we don't talk about it a lot. I, I just seeing your post, I was like, I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. So let's talk about it more as believers yeah. and encourage each other. And without being judgy, give each other ideas and, um, you know, encouragement and how we can make this work. So yeah, um, I also want to say that there are some, so I'm a part of, um, I'm, a, I'm on a board of directors for our regional FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and um, and they are a great resource. And in the future, I don't know how quickly this is happening in larger, it may be happening faster in larger areas than it is here in Southwestern Virginia, but FCA is trying to move into the travel club league where um, they're they're specifically creating teams that are that are coached by FCA leaders uh, to try and engage on that level too and reach reach athletes for Christ 
on that particular uh, level as well. So if you're in a larger area, look up what's available through FCA. It could be that there's a team that you could you could have your, your kid try out for. Um, there's not much of it available here yet, but I know it's coming. And so that may be another avenue for some people. That would be great too. Yeah. FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's, uh, I mean, if your kids play sports in school, many of the schools have FCA. We'll link to their website as well at the end of this in case anyone's interested in finding out more about FCA. Brooke, you have so many resources. I don't even know where to start. What would you like to highlight today just to point people to um, resources for praying for your kids? Yeah, there's a few things that I could, um, and I'll try and do it in order. So if you are in a situation now where you're really struggling with any of the things that we talked about, uh, maybe something is off balance in your in your world, in your family's life, like you are, you know, your kids are finding, um, you, you know that there's an identity issue. They are identifying more with sports than they are with God. We have a prayer resource at Million Praying Moms called Praying God's Word for Your Child's Identity in Christ. It is not a sports-related resource, but it's a great place to start to engage and ask God to come and start to move in your child's heart in that particular area. I guarantee, you know, this is God's word we're praying, Jamie. It's not, nobody owns it. It's not just for your kids. It's for you too. It's directed towards your kids. So, But I promise you, if you start praying it, it'll start to work on your heart as well. Um, I also want to point out, I, I released a prayer journal Um, let's see, it was over Christmas called Everyday Prayers for Peace. And in that prayer journal, I I shared a little bit of the story uh, that I was was telling you about how I began to apply the verses from Philippians, the do not be anxious for anything verses when I was experiencing anxiety with with my children. And so that story is a little bit of it is, is in everyday prayers for peace. So if you are experiencing some anxiety related to sports or like we were like Jamie and I were describing that particular book might be a great resource for you to begin to figure out what it looks like to live in the peace that God offers um, instead of looking for it in your circumstances. I have another prayer journal that's actually not out yet. It's releasing in August called Everyday Prayers for Patience. And in that story, in that particular book, I tell the story much more deeply of how God, uh, my oldest son actually had an almost career ending injury um, this past fall. And I tell the story there of how God met us in the midst of that And the anxiety that that gave us and what we learned about the character of God as we prayed uh, for God to help us believe that he worked for our good in all things, not just the good things, but the bad things and even the ugly things. And so there's some great sports related stories in that particular journal that's coming out as well. But I also want to say if you are brand new to prayer and you just don't like if you're a mom who has really never prayed for her kids before. Um, You might just pick up a copy of my book, Praying Mom, Making Prayer the First and Best Response to Motherhood. It really helps you learn how to pray for your kids. It it addresses several obstacles to prayer that that moms, that normal everyday moms encounter that make it hard for them to, um, to, to, to develop a vibrant prayer life. And so that might be a great starting place as well. Any of those would be a wonderful place to start if this is something that interests you. 
Perfect. Well, that timing will be great. I think this is probably going to air in August. And so, okay. yeah, so that would be perfect timing for your book, uh, for your book launch. So yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to close this up in prayer, Brooke. We are at the end of our time together, unfortunately, but how can we pray for you? I know one way. <laughs> yes. <We're> launching. <laughs> Yes, yes. Book launches would be well, book launches and boy oh, launches. Kid launch. I'm, I'm thinking of the yes. boy launch is yes. what I'm thinking book, of. Book launches and boy launches. Um, yeah. So I've got the senior in high school. He um he is getting to live his dream. Um, of course, you know, you never know. You just take it one day at a time. But he is gonna graduate from high school in June. And then depending on how far we have a we have a stout uh, varsity baseball team this year. And so depending on how far they go into the playoffs, um, whenever their last game is, he will, within a couple of days of that leave to go play collegiate baseball all summer in another state. And so he's going to graduate and then be gone all summer. Um, so you can pray for him that the Lord connects him with the right people, um, that, that, um, you know, that he has a, just a great experience, um, and that God will give my husband and I strength to let him launch. It's not an easy thing. It's oh, really not. It. So just give us grace for that, Lord. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have a junior. Our oldest is a junior going to be a senior next year. And we're looking down that same path. And it's just even the thought of it is hard. But yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. What would we do without prayer and knowing mm. that we can be with them in that way? That's I just keep asking myself that. So. Well, thank you, Brooke, and we will absolutely be praying for those things. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this conversation. Just thank you for the ability to um, to just be honest about the struggles of having kids in sports, to be honest about the disappointments that we can come to when we pray for our kids in any area, but in sports especially, and um, and to just remember who you are. We acknowledge you as good. We acknowledge that every good gift comes from you, that nothing that comes from you is anything but good, and that you love our children more than we ever could imagine, um, as hard as that is to, to comprehend. Um, we do just place our kids in your care right now, God. In Jesus' name, we pray that your hand would be on each of them, our kids, our grandkids, those listening who have spiritual kids, but not biological kids. Um, Lord, we just lift all of these kids in our lives up to you and pray that you would be revealing yourself to them as real, that you would re be revealing that you are at work, that you'd open their eyes to the truth, that you are at work, even in the hardest, most difficult seasons and circumstances, that the enemy would have no foothold and would not rob you of any glory by deceiving them into thinking that you are absent or don't care. God, show them your truth, that you love them and that you are with them. Lord, I just lift Brooke up to you, her ministry, that you would continue to bless her with vision, with creativity, with open doors for her marriage and for her kids, that you would just be um, blessing their home um, in these weeks before graduation and before her son launches to go play baseball over the summer. We pray for physical protection for him. God, keep him healthy, keep him safe. We just pray for, um, for you to be near to him, God, for him to just carry you with him, carry the light of Jesus with him. And for that to be fanned into flame, that you would provide him with people 
that would be fanning that into flame, that he would have at least one person who's a strong believer that he can connect with and talk with and um, just be friends with when he travels, that you would give him strength to stand up for what is right, that you would give him love for the people around him and just the ability to see needs and to minister to them and to spread the love of Jesus. Um, Just like Brooke said, to be that fragrance of Christ to this team that he'll be with over the summer. Lord, we just pray for your, um, your protection, just like Jesus prayed for the disciples, not that you'd take him out of the world, but that you would protect him from the evil one in every way. And we just continue to pray for Brooke and just for her heart that she would feel more joy than sadness and that she would just see the fruit of her prayers, that you would guide and direct her prayers for her son and just help her to see him grow and thrive and see answers to prayer over this summer and beyond that, that just will bring so much joy and peace to her heart. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to him and change the world one prayer at a time.